Okay, it's August 7th, 2009, and Aaron and I are here uh, going to do a brief podcast about soybean insecticides for soybean aphid. Uh, we just got done spraying our insecticide evaluations for 2009, similar to what we did in 08, and we just uh, noticed a lot of planes in the air, and we're thinking that it might be good to have a brief discussion about some of the uh, aspects of insecticides that you'd want to think about in selecting one for your uh, soybean field. Uh, so one of those is active ingredients. Uh, there's three general classes that are available to growers. There's your organophosphates, pyrethroids, and then the uh, neonicotinoids. Alone, uh, pretty much all three of these work very well. We've tested these in 08, and you can go to um, our website. If you scroll down at soybeanaphid.info, you can see the results from 08. Pyrethroids and OPs alone, organophosphates, abbreviated OP, uh, seem to work pretty well. And it's hard to distinguish their uh, efficacy um, in terms of yield protection. Uh, so uh, not a lot of, uh, uh, what do I want to say, not a lot to worry about there. Some products like dimethoate tend to uh, not do as well as some of the others, but, um, you know, for the mainstays, the things like um, Baythroid, Warrior, Mustang Max, Lures Ban, Asana, these things, um, they, they all uh, show similar yield protection. What other things should we worry about when we're spraying insecticide, Aaron? Probably one of the things that should be considered is coverage for insects like aphids that can feed throughout the canopy and are usually found on the undersides of leaves and so making sure you get enough volume and pressure to make contact with the aphids is really important. And that's uh, a good point to bring up given that a lot of growers may have been spraying uh, herbicide and that the configuration for spraying herbicide is such that you're trying to prevent drift and that means larger droplet size, lower pressure, um, that's the opposite of what you'd want for soybean aphids. You want high pressure uh, and uh, small droplet size to get a fine mist going through the field. Yep. Uh, one place where coverage and active ingredients intersect is with um, Lorsban, a, um, a product that volatilizes under warm temperatures. And I know some growers have cut back on how much they spray because they are anticipating that volatilization to spread it through the canopy. should be pointed out that that only occurs under warm conditions. I think it's 90 to 95 plus. And given the cool summer, record cool summer we've had, that's not probably something growers want to uh, rely upon. Okay, so any other things to think about going into the field? Um, whenever possible, I always encourage people to, to leave a check strip just to know if you're getting a good kill, as it were, for uh, insecticides and you can monitor what's happening in your treated versus untreated. Yeah, that's a, a good point. Um, another thing to kind of think about is the um, residual time that those products are going to have. Uh, I know some companies, some uh, agents consider their products may last 45 days plus. Hard to say that we have data to support that. I think um, many of my colleagues would agree that about two weeks is what you could expect from any product, whether it be an organophosphate or a pyrethroid. I agree. Okay. Mm -hmm. And one of the kind of dirty little secrets about residual time is um, those products all look great if no insects re-enter the field. And if we have a, a low rate of immigration of aphids later in the summer, then it really won't matter what product you use because there won't be any aphids there to recolonize. 
Okay, so that's it for today, and we'll come back Monday with a recap of our aphids in the field. Thanks. Great. Bye.